0: Can anything good come out of Porirua? Well, surely obviously needed it, so they, they sent me. Hey, I said, here I am, Lord, send me. You know, God is so good. Actually, man, I might just have that one there. Is that all right? So I was going to preach something today, but you know, I just felt like this morning when I woke up. Actually, I'll, I'll have that one. That's yeah. I felt like God wanted to do something really different this morning. How many of you know it's, it's really good to encounter God? So many times we come to things like this and we just listen to, and get some information. And I, I don't want you to receive any information this morning. I want you to receive an impartation because we're, we're talking about transformation. Yes. Amen? And there's two ways you can transform things. You can do it by doing stuff and you can build buildings and you can transform a city like that or you can allow you to be transformed. And out of you becomes the expression of Christ. And you're still going to build buildings, you're still going to build schools and orphanages, and you're still going to do that stuff, but it comes out of a a heart of worship, a heart that's transformed, not out of obligation, but out of revelation. Yeah? And so this morning we're going to look at... uh, What happens when your heart gets hard? Because, you know, as men, we get hard hearts, man. I don't know, but you, I do sometimes. Yeah? Man, I just love that song, eh? You deserve it all. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for your presence. I thank you that Jesus died and rose again. That he saved people like these men and me and... Father, that we can come and become instruments of your hands and your feet to our community from where we are. And God, I just pray that as I just bring the word this morning, that you'll bring it with simplicity of heart and really easy to hear and understand. I pray that eyes would see, ears would hear, and hearts would understand your love for them and your love for their community. And God, I just pray for clarity in seasons that they're in right now. Lord, that they'll gain a little bit of insight. And that, God, you'd birth hope, direction. And that, God, you'd awaken the giant within. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, so good, eh? Last night was good, eh? Last night, for those who went here, we talked about hidden identity and how some of you call for greater things than where you are, but we settle because we don't live out of our identity. And uh, that was good, it was a great night. Today I want to talk to you about, uh, if you've got your Bible, uh, open up to Mark chapter um, ooh, Mark chapter 6. And some of you might be familiar with this story, and, and um, I hope you are, because that means you read your Bible. And I want to bring out some, some points out of this, this scripture. That I feel like is relevant for this morning's session, yeah. And uh, so, what time do I wrap it up? What time do I wrap it up? Whatever. Oh, you're sweet. When you fellas start falling asleep, then we'll wrap it up. <laughs> I will read to you a, a story here, and maybe you've seen it. Maybe you've you, 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 God spoken to this to you, and that's good because it's it's an important lesson to learn, yeah. And it's in verse forty-five to fifty-two. Mark chapter 6, 45 to 52. Because how many know, I'll ask the question in a minute. We'll read the scripture. It says, immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Basidia. And while he sent the multitude away, and when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. And when the evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea. And he was alone on the land. Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. That's pretty impressive, eh? (laughs) And he would have passed them by. And when he saw him walking on the sea... They supposed it was a ghost. And he cried out, for all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them, and he said to them, be of good cheer. It is I, do not be afraid. And then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased. And they were all greatly amazed. Say greatly amazed. amazed. Within themselves, beyond measure. And they marveled. Have you ever had an encounter with God where you were beyond belief? You marveled at His greatness and His grandeur. Have you ever encountered the living God? And went, wow. Just the thought. Verse 52. We got any scripture up there? Sorry, man. It says this. For they had not understood about the loaves because their hearts were hardened. Amen. Take some points out of this and then we're going to read something, yeah? Amen. First of all, I'm encouraged by this because the disciples had been with Jesus for a while now and they were still hard in their heart. that they could sit with Jesus, listen to Jesus talk, watch the miracles, do the miracles. Because you know, they have just done miracles, signs and wonders. And Jesus said, come away. Come away. Let's go place and rest. Can I just say this to you? If you're a leader this morning, your most vulnerable moment is not when you're going through hard times. Your most vulnerable moment is when you've had your major breakthrough. When God's used you to do great and mighty things, that's when you become the most vulnerable. Do you know why? Because you don't realize that you've just exuded so much emotional input into that moment that you've become vulnerable and you feel you don't have a need anymore because you feel you might have arrived. And pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And it's important that as leaders that we recognize that when you're in your peak of your moment, that's when you need God the most. And that's why you'll see great men of God doing great exploits and then they fall into immorality or they, or they, they launder money or they, they misappropriate stuff. Why? Because in the height of their moment, they realize they didn't need God. It's not in your weakest point because you know when you're struggling, you're crying out to God, God. And some of you, when you're breaking through, I want you to understand you need God don't forget the need of God, yeah, and so Jesus recognized that, and he said to the man, because they just come back and say, man, we just done this, and the devil's are subject to us, and, and he goes, okay, come away, let's get away, and let's have some rest, it's important that you recognize that sometimes you need rest, yeah, but that rest isn't the absence of stuff, some of you, you're resting, you're not doing anything, <laughs> you know, that's not that, rest is a contentment with godliness, it's a contentment with where you are, yeah? But watch this. He gets them into the boat. And the Bible says that when he got them to the boat, he said, hey, we're going to the other side. Say, we're going to the other side. The other side. Amen. Amen. So this side, we're going to the other side. So what he does is he puts them in a boat and he kicks it out, hypothetically, you know, kicks him, and they're in the middle of the ocean. And Jesus goes up to the mountain to pray. Now, just a side note, that kind of is indicative of his ministry after the resurrection. Do you realize that? Because the the, the, the ocean, the, the lake actually represents the world. Water represents people. And the disciples were in the middle of the people. But where was Jesus? Up in a mountain praying. And see, God was going to send them into the multitudes, but he'll be ever making intercession for them. Just a little side note. But he sends them to the other side. Where are they going? To the... Where are they going, men? Alright. So now they're in the middle of the ocean and they're in the middle of a storm. The wind's coming, the waves are overwhelming, and they're like, ah, what the heck, man? You know, they're freaking out. Have you been through life and things have gotten a bit overwhelming? You're like, what the heck, man? No, just me, okay. Yeah, It's all right. Sorry, sorry. So I bought my own encouragement this morning. I knew it was gonna to be tough. Last night was a tough one. I knew today was, you know. And the Bible says this, and sometimes we miss it. But I'm going to bring this to your attention. The Bible says that Jesus came walking on water and say this is the boat. And it doesn't say he jumped in the boat. Even though he jumped in the boat. You know what he did? The Bible says he would have passed them by. He would have passed them by, but they cried out in the middle of their storm. And in God's amazing grace, he jumps into their boat and he calms the storm, calms the wave. And they're like, wow, Jesus, you are unbelievable. I'm amazed. I'm wow. Wow. And then it says this happened because they failed to recognize the loaves because their hearts were hardened. Now, I don't know you, but I ask questions, and I think, what does loaves and fishes got to do with a boat in the middle of the ocean? Ever ask that question? I'm glad you asked it. (laughs) So let's go and read it, eh? Is that okay? Can we read the scripture? Is that all right? Okay, let's go back a bit. I want to tell you that Jesus had no intention of jumping in that boat, and there's a reason he had no intention. So let's go to verse 30 of Mark chapter 6 and verse 30. It says this, When the apostles gathered and told uh, uh, him all things they, they, they had both done and what they had taught, he said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a, deserted, to a deserted place and rest a while. For there are many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. But the multitude saw them departing and many knew him and they ran on foot from all the cities and they arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, he saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding countries and villages and buy themselves some bread for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, you give them something to what? You give them something to eat. What did Jesus say? It's important to hear this. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii's worth of bread and and give them something to eat? Multiplication happened when they recognized that the minute they partnered with what God said, they would have gained insight into a storm that they're about to walk in when he said, we're going to the other side, they would have had capacity to calm the storm. I Google searched something tonight, this morning, in the worship. I apologize but it was so good. The Greek word, where it says, and their hearts were hardened, means this. To cover with a thick skin. To harden by covering with a callus. You know, the calluses on your hands that are hard. Yeah. To make the heart dull. Your heart was hardened because something made your heart dull. To grow hard. Say grow hard. See, it's not naturally hard. Because Jesus says, though you have a heart of stone, or God says, though you have a heart of stone, I'm going to give you a new heart. Amen? So you're not the old you, you're the new you. And the minute you recognize that you're not you no more that you're the new creation that's in Christ Jesus, that's created after the image of God, you'll stop warring with the old man because he should be dead. Because your identity is not in your past, it's in who you are in Christ. But sometimes the voices that we're hearing drown out the truth of what God is saying. And what we're doing is we're going through seasons in our life And we're so drowned out by our present circumstances, we've forgotten to take God's word into that moment. And I think the disciples are in a storm in their life and they failed to recognize the loaves and the fishes even though they've been with Jesus a while. It gives us hope, eh? because sometimes we miss it with Jesus and we've been with him for a while. To grow hard to become dull, to lose the power of understanding. Wow. To lose the power of understanding. See, when you walk with Jesus, God wants you to learn to extract out of your season the necessary tools to walk in the new season of your life. And some of us are walking into this new season of our lives as older men, younger men, stepping into different seasons of your life, whether spiritual or physical, and we haven't extracted the necessary nutrients from which the season we've come out of because our hearts became dull through the process. See, if Jesus... If it's all about Jesus, and it's all about Jesus, amen? But if it's all about Jesus, praise Jesus. But I want to tell you something. Jesus has asked you to come and co-labor with him. Jesus is actually asking your permission to walk out this incredible journey, but he's waiting for you to be willing and available. And, you know, you can turn up to something like this, But you're not turned up. Husbands, you can be present at home, but still not be present. What does that mean? You're there, but you're not there emotionally. You're not there mentally. You're not growing in the seasons of your life. So maybe you're a 40-year-old man still trying to be a 23-year-old man. Reality check, it's time to grow up. Your wife need a man. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh. Sorry. I felt this morning that God wants you to understand the season that you're in. But he don't want you to be in a hurry to get out of the season that you're in. Because a lot of us, we're trying to get to the call on our life. Man, I've got destiny written all over me. Man, I'm, I'm going to be great. And you are going to be great. Yeah. You're going to do great exploits. Don't you let no one tell you you're going to do nothing for God. Yeah. Amen? Amen? But how do you know when God, who lives outside of time. Now, this is going to blow your mind, I know. But God lives outside of Wainui matter. <laughs> okay? Do you know what I mean? He lives outside of time. I'm sorry, reality check. He lives in the go. Cause, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> <laughs> look over there. Stop there. Just look over there. Yep. Can you can you see anything? What do you see? Tell me what you see. Articulate what you see. I see a wind, I see a wall. Yep. Cool. Yeah, cool. What's he articulating to you? You and I can only see to the capacity that we can see. Uh-huh, revelation, eh? <laughs> <laughs> but God can see the end from the beginning. And what God does is, is he'll see seniors' life. Thank you, Brent. He'll see seniors' life. And because he sees the end and it's fulfilled. It's fulfilled. Holy Spirit comes upon a man, a vessel. Remember, Holy Ghost won't speak unless he hears the Father speak. And he will declare to you things that are to come. Holy Ghost won't tell you about your past. It's under the blood of Jesus. Some of you are listening to the wrong voice. Oh man, you're never going to do this. Man, you blew up. You call yourself a Christian? Yeah. Man, you do, man, man, stop it. And then God tells the man, Sini, you're going to pastor. You're going you're to start a church in Ipswich and Brisbane. And then I'm going to bring you to New Zealand. Man, you're going to do great exploits. You're going to raise up a generation of men. And, 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 and Sini's like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right? But how many know that where he is and where he's going to be are two different places. But where he's going to be is where he's going to be. Because God's declared it. Because God foresees everything, does it naturally mean it's going to happen? No. Because you have to partner with that word, and the minute you partner with the word, it sets you on your destination. Now, can I say this? Some of you, not yous, but people, <laughs> me, people, when God gives you a word, you feel you have to maybe leave the position or the responsibility in which you've been given to pursue it. And can I just say, don't do that. Be faithful with what you've got. Because God's already told you what's going to happen. Be faithful with what you've got. Because it's in the faithfulness of doing what you do, God's going to cause you to extract the necessary nutrients in order to sustain where you are. See God. To be honest with me, this is my journey, and I haven't been doing this for too long. But I don't think God cares about the call on your life. I don't think He does. We do because we're men. We're men. Yeah, man. Come on, I'm a man. Am I talking to men this morning? Oh yeah. Well, can I just say I don't think God cares. We do. Because we we, we, got, we got egos. We want to be used by God. We want to do great exploits. But you know what I think God's more, import, uh, more concerned about? It's the process. Why? Because in the process comes transformation. And God wants to bring transformation so that you actually look like Christ. And when you arrive at your destination... You can stay there. And I think so many people are walking through seasons and their hearts have become dull because they've failed to hear and failed to recall what God has said to them. And when they're walking out their destination, they're, walking, they're just drowned by what's going on around them. And they've only begun to see from a natural perspective what God's trying to do, but they're failing to look up and set their mind on things that are above you still got to do what you do, but you got to set your mind, set, set, mindset. I'm convinced that God is good, but my whole world is rubbish, but God is good, because I'm walking this out, and through it all, God will give you insight and tools that will carry you into the new season that you never had unless you gained it here. And some of us were trying to just go, yeah, I'm nearly out of this breakthrough. And the breakthrough, man, I'm going through so much, Sini. Must be coming into some financial gain somewhere. Or oh, breakthrough's coming. Must be something materialistic. And can I tell you, the breakthrough is that you become more like Christ through the process. Because the world doesn't need Malcolm. It needs the God-man in Malcolm. Because my intolerance is very short. But Christ in me, I can love unconditionally. Some of us are trying to get here before our time. And the disciples had just performed a miracle they've, they've just done miracles healed the sick, cleansed the leper, raised the dead imagine raising the dead they come back to Jesus and go mate, even Jesus, well, we did this and, and he just goes, yeah, come away, have a rest man, it's all good and he goes you know, and, uh, you know the disciples are like, oh look mate, it's getting late send them away mate they, they're not part of us, send them away yeah. they're hungry, they look hungry send them away what does Jesus say, you feed them Can I tell you that when God gives you a word, something happens on the inside of you. You know what it is? It's called faith. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing comes by the word of God. So what does faith do? What does faith look like? Because, you know, faith looks like something, eh? Like I said last night, Hannah cried out to God, Oh, God, I need a baby. Mm. No, obviously we're not women, but the desperation of her cry. She wanted a baby because she couldn't have one. And then, Eli, the the high priest says, may God grant you the petition you desired. But did she receive the baby? No, she received the word. And the breakthrough was in the word. So she had faith now. Now she had to go and do something with it. So what did she do? What did her faith look like? (laughs) Sometimes we over-spiritualize faith. <laughs> <laughs> she went home, had a nookie-nookie with a man. Oh, going to be good. Has a baby. You turning up is faith. You walking and loving on your wife, when she, you feel in your mind she doesn't need to be loved because she's annoying you. <laughs> When you choose to obey God's word over your own selfish desires, yeah, right. then you'll see the reconciliation come faster. Right. Amen, now. <laughs> it's all right, I'll do it for you. It's all right. I know it's a bomb eh. You think we all got it all together. Look, man, the closer you get to a brother, the more you're going to see things in their lives. That's right. That's right. And it, he, hear me now when I say this. When God reveals things to you, it's not for you to waggle your tongue. It's actually you to become the coverer of your brother's nakedness. See, when God entrusts you to see things, he's given you a grace to either speak into it, pray for it, or cover. Not sin. Not talk about sin. You don't cover sin. You address sin. I'm talking about your brother. We need one another. But when you don't turn up, it's discouraging. As soon as, you, as, soon, as soon as the pastor jumps in the front seat last night, i was like, "Whoa, yeah, he added something to me. If he wasn't there, that part I would have missed. So through the process, because I knew I was called to be a pastor, but from the age of 19, I knew God called me to be a pastor, my wife and I, but that area of our life wasn't good. And we got offered a church. We said, no, timing's not right. Call's right, but the timing's not right. So then we journey through it all and go to council. They're saying all this other stuff. And through it all, I'm gaining insight from God about how the church responds to Christ, but how the Christ responds to wife. See, the Bible says that you as husbands should love the wife just like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. It's not what you get out of the marriage, it's what you can give to the marriage. And you know the old saying, if the grass is greener on the other side, I reckon, flip, man, who cares? If it's greener on the other side, shame on you, because <laughs> you're sowing nothing into your patch. Because you'll reap what you sow, and if it looks greener on the other side, it's you, you're, you're neglecting this side. And I was like, nah. God taught me so many spiritual principles through the seasons of my darkest moments because I leaned into him. I lean into you, Lord. I need you. I love her like you love the church. I allow the word to become flesh, not a theology. Not, a, oh, I will love you, but you need to do these things for me. I love you irrespective for you, do these things to me because love holds no account of wrong. Love is patient love is kind please don't pray pray for patience if you're impatient because you'll go through crap you'll go through some hard times why because working out uh, it says count it all joy knowing that the trolling of your face is producing patience so if you're going through stuff it's because God's producing something in you and sometimes you can fail to recognize that production line because you're too busy caught up in the moment and the disciples have been with Jesus and they forgot the word that Jesus said to them and said, hey, come and partner with me. Yeah. And all your brokenness and your, all your weirdness in your thinking. Paul, even though you want to chop someone's head off and be the greatest in the kingdom. Peter, sorry. Partner with the word that I've spoken over your life. Yeah. See, I knew I was called to be a pastor, so I got off of a church when I was like 23. Here in the Yarepa. Over there. And I was like, nah. Because I've been in a church where the pastor fell into Immorality because he was concentrating on ministry more than his home life yes, right. and I'd rather be a private success mm. and a public success yeah, right. rather than a public success and a private failure mm. because the consequences are not just about me it's about mm. the congregation that's right. but because I'm after the heart of God and not the position I can bide my time because I know that God says you're going to do this mm. but I'm going to walk this season of my life out So when I'm about 28, I get off at another church. The call is right, but the timing's wrong because we still haven't reconciled this area of our life yet. And when you become ambitious, ambition is good when it's submitted to the Lordship of Jesus because it will cause you to walk in the things of God in the right time. And then, you know, when I'm 28 now, been married since I was 18 now I'm 28 Ooh, got a baby Wow, amazing Ooh-hoo. God brought joy into my life do I get what happened? No do I need to get what happened? No but what happened was in the 10th I gained insight into the heart of God for the church that I would never have gained otherwise God will take you through seasons because it needs you, but it's not for you. An apple tree doesn't partake of its own fruit. Someone else takes the fruit. But if the apple tree's not producing fruit, no one's going to partake of it. And some of us, as men, as Christians is we're walking in seasons and we don't know what season we're in. And what what's happening is this. There's, I think there's like five seasons of growth that takes place in your life. Five. In the Christian journey. Are you ready? And if I'm wrong, it's okay. You can edit it. <laughs> but the first is you've got to sow a seed. And the Bible says the seed is the word of God. But the seed has to go into the ground. Amen? In the ground. The next part of that season is the roots have to go down. And to the degree that you let that seed mull in your heart, or mull in the grounds, we'll talk about the ground stuff first, then we'll talk about your heart. You let the, the, the seed go down into the ground to the level that it goes down Determines the, the strength of the tree. Like if you're going to build a 120-story building, you have to go two miles in the ground for foundation. Yeah. The problem with that is, all the growth is taking beneath the surface. And sometimes you can think you're not growing. But yet the work is deep down in areas that you can't see just yet. You're walking it out. You feel like, man, I feel like there's a breakthrough coming. I I can't be in this season for that long. I feel like God wants to teach me something. The minute you think that, you go, oh, hang on, God wants to teach me something. Okay, Lord, what is it that you want to teach? Because in every good moment, in every bad moment, in every miracle that you do, in every success you have, there's something to extract that will set you up for your next season. So we're walking it out, and the roots are down. You're like, man, I've been in this church for that long, man. I should be doing something. Should, the pastor should acknowledge me, and he should tell me that I'm... Uh. But it's just your roots are down. You've got to get roots down. And maybe you came out of Mormonism, and you still got roots of Mormonism. You've got to let your... <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like you've got to get those roots out and put new roots in. But you're too much in a hurry because you think you've arrived somewhere when you haven't arrived. But what happens when the breakthrough comes? It looks like a little shoot out of the ground. But you're expecting a big tree. And sometimes because you expected a big tree, you disregard the breakthrough you had. So you gain no insight into what just happened. But here's where you really fail it's where we fail. Is we become the tree. We look like a tree. We can smell like a tree. Dogs can pee all over us because that's what they do. Congregation can pee all over you because that's what they do. You can edit that one. But you've got leaves, you've got branches. You look like a tree. You've been in church for a long time. Your root's at ground. You're in the season. You're like, wow, yeah, man, this is my season. But pastor doesn't acknowledge you and bypass you and give it to someone else. And now you get your nose out of joint because you're missing something that is only produced in the fifth season of your life. You know what that is? Fruit. And here you look like a tree, act like a tree, smell like a tree, but you haven't got the Fruit and the fruit is in the process the transformation of your life is not that you get saved and then you're happy we'll look at that in the next season uh, next session we're going in the next session we're going to talk about the the process of change yeah i'm just talking about this today that there is a change coming and that you can extract out of the season that you're in you have to learn to have an ear to hear what the spirit of god is saying or else you're gonna have a hard heart and you will become dull because your eyes are on what you can see. So I want to get past that wall, but I can't, it's too big, it's too wide. Oh man. But God's told me that I can. So when God says you're gonna pass that wall, he might not take you through the wall. You know what he'll do? He'll take you out the door, around the corner, and around the other side. Because we just think it's this way. But it's a journey. Life's a journey. It's not a straight, narrow road. It's a crooked one. But through it all, you've got to hold on to God. And these disciples had walked with Jesus, and they became dull in the height of their life because they failed to recognize the loaves and the fishes. And you and I as men, we can fail in this season now And struggle and struggle and struggle because we just didn't recognize that God had already prepared us in the season beforehand. Can I just say this to you? The word God's spoken to you, whether it's a prophetic word, whether it's a revelatory word out of the scripture, whether someone's prophesied over you, let me say this to you. It is so valuable. It's so, it's important. Amen? Amen? that you go over it and that you think about it that you pray about it that you meditate on it so that what God thinks about you becomes what you think about you because if God says this about you and you don't think like that about you, you won't walk in it it'll become just a fantasy can I say this, this is experience not gospel okay When God gives you a prophetic word, when you get a revelation of a truth that God's speaking to you, I think, in my experience, there's been a window of about two weeks for you to go and do something with that word. Then what happens after that? The Bible says that he that hears the word of God and understands it bears fruit. But he that doesn't, he that hears the word of God and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches that which is in his heart. Watch this. The word understand is not one plus one equals. One plus one equals. Come on, men. Participate, participate. Don't fall asleep. I know it's early. <laughs> Lunch is soon. One plus one equals two. That's called cognitive learning. That's not what that scripture says. He that hears the word and understands it—that word understand—is experience. He that hears the word and experiences the truth of that reality, bears fruit. Amen. Amen. Very good. Amen. Amen. But when you hear the word of God and you sit in the congregation and go, "Wow, great word, pastor." <laughs> Wow, wow, they've just really, really done something amazing in my life. Wow, that was a great preaching, full of enthusiasm. You're the man, let's go have lunch. (laughs) And you eat that word, but you don't think about that word. What happens is the devil comes and he'll snatch the word out of your heart. Why your heart and not your head? I'll tell you why, yeah? Because he don't mind you sitting in church agreeing with the pastor as long as there's no transformation in your life. See, if you want transformation, men, it's time you get off your little bottoms and start applying the word God's spoken to you. And when you become transformed, you will transform other things. I I was driving uh, in Gold Coast the other day and I was going to church on Sunday funny because there's two bus stops right outside our church and I drive past and there's six people on this side three people on that side phenomenal and I drive and I crack up laughing because everyone's on their iPhone ears in, and I'm thinking isn't it incredible that we live with a generation who are drowning out the quiet time and filling it with noise and I want to say to you that you've got to stop drowning out the voice of God with stuff Because it's not about religion, men. It's about relationship. And you don't want to get to heaven and God say, I don't know you. I'm not intimately acquainted with you. Oh, but I helped build the church. But I don't know you. Like Adam knew Eve. Like Hannah knew the man. Like husband know their wife. God wants to know you. And sometimes you have to understand something. The transformation isn't in your doing. It's in your hearing. Because what you hear, you will do. And if you're not doing nothing in the church, it's because you're not hearing God. So in that season of my life, God stripped me of so many crappy stuff. And then I begin to lean into him. And he began to do signs and wonders and miracles. I hear God audibly. Now today I hear people go, God, don't talk like that. And I get it. Because they're never willing to lay their life down. They weren't willing to pay the price for that costly pill that they found at the time of salvation. They weren't willing to lay it all down and take it all. I remember praying for these mongamob mob kids one day in Porridor and you know, cut kind along, of I won't tell you the whole story. I think I told the story heaps of time here in Wyinui. But we lived in a street and right across the from us were Rastafarians, drug dealer, drug dealer, mongamob mob, mongamob, mob, manga mob, patch prizzy over there and and all that. And we used to get abused for oh, probably I probably I'm gonna tell you the story, aren't I? <laughs> and they walk down the road and, and, and they used to diss us for a few years and one day we're walking home and, and this mob fellow sitting on his doorstep and he says bro where you been man? So said i have been in a church he goes oh well, what do you do at church? I said oh I don't know um, the man of God hears from God he conveys the message and we're going to play it and he goes nah Jar Rastafari and I went "Jah's dead man so, and, I, and I'm walking on his, on his lawn so I'm walking up the street now I'm walking on his lawn nah Jah Rastafari is dead my wife's sitting there going, what the hell he said "Jah's dead man he said if I lay hands on the sick they'll recover now, I only seen Benny Hymns do it and the Bible. I hadn't actually seen a miracle. I just believed the scripture. And then six other fellas walk in. They're like, would you say, boy? Jesus is Lord, man. He goes, nah, Jha Rastavara, I seek dog. And I just went, nah, 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 Jha's dead, man. Haley Selassie's in the grave. <laughs> I said, Jesus rose from the dead. And he said, if I lay hands on sick, they'll recover. And they said, if you're gods there, real real, go upstairs and heal my mate. So I look at their unit and I'm like, turn the lights on. Like, nah, bro, we've had the power cut off. So I'm thinking, you're going to get me inside. <laughs> give me a hiding. So I say to Bernie, go home and pray for me. I'll be back in a minute. So she goes home. So I think they're lying to me. So I walk in the house. There's six guys, three behind me, three in front. I walk in, and they can feel this tingling all over their body. But I can't feel nothing, man. I think they're lying to me. So I'm like, where are we going, boys? They go upstairs. It's so a unit. And I'm going, okay, this, is could be, this could get ugly. So if it's not real and they're going to give me hiding, the only way out is out the window. And that's two stories. That's going to hurt. <laughs> See, because I, before I met God, I wasn't afraid of men. I had fights with 10, 12 people at a time. to didn't matter. You know, I just didn't have fear of men. But I said in my mind, God, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. If I preach the gospel, you stick up for me. That's cool. If you don't and they hit me, I'll defend myself. Yeah. <laughs> just put it out there you know what I mean just in my mind I didn't say that loud I said in my mind in my mind yeah. so I'm like okay and, and they go bro can you feel that man can you feel that I can't feel nothing I got peace I got I don't know what's going on I'm just like yeah I'm cool and we get upstairs and there's another eight or so people in this room and there's an 18 year old kid sprawled out on the, on the bed covered in blood and there's a little candle about this week and I'm like oh crap okay why don't you take him to the hospital he's bleeding <laughs> common sense yeah? Yeah, yeah and they said we stole a car and he hit a lamppost and went through the windscreen wow. if we take him to the hospital he'll go to jail so now I'm in a dilemma is God real or not I mean I believe in him but is he real or not wow. so I stand there and I go okay what would Jesus do okay. in my mind I'm saying oh, Jesus. Okay, preach the gospel God before a miracle okay let's give it a go so I sit next to him and I say hey bro you probably don't want to hear this about now, but 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on a cross for you. And the reason you're in this situation is because of sin. And the wages of sin is death. But I got good news. God's brought me here tonight so I can pray for you. And I said, but there's a catch, bro. And he goes, oh, bro, I got no money, cuz. <laughs> I was like, man, I don't want your money, man. Watch too much TV. Uh, I don't want your money. I said, nah, man. I said, <laughs> I said, nah, man. If you believe, and I believe, because the Bible says these signs will follow them that believe, and I didn't realize it was just about me believing, Then worry about them. And he goes, yeah, well, go on, bro. So I look at everyone else. I'm like, you fellas want to see a miracle, man? They're like, yeah, bro. And I'm thinking, so do I. <laughs> I don't know. I'm hoping Benny Hens is legit, man. <laughs> so I, I, I get him up. Come on, and he's, he's, he's on the wall and he's like and I'm holding him up and I'm just going in the name of Jesus I command every bone that's broken to be healed and every cut to stop bleeding in Jesus name amen and he goes whoa and I'm like whoa and then he walks out goes downstairs and all these fellas are all patched up they're like bro Bro, what's how like, man? I'm going, bro, you just got up and walked out. Oh, what do you think how's like, man? They're like, it's a party, bro. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. And I was going, you idiot. No, I said, come here, come here. I said, give me that candle. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah bro. So they give me the candle. Like that. It's only a little one. I said, see the candle, man? They're like, yeah, bro, I see the candle. Because they were all freaking out. There's no lights on, just the candle. I said, see the wick, bro? And they go, yeah, man, I see the wick. I see the wick burning, bro. They're like, yeah, man. I said, that's you. Burning in hell. <laughs> the only difference is, it won't go out. Ooh, you could have heard a pinch job. I said, but there's good news. Jesus died for you so that you could have eternal life. He yeah. don't want you to go to hell. He made a way for you, but the choice is yours. So, you know, I lead two people, three people to the Lord that night. Wow. It was an amazing night. but he's surreal, actually. The guy comes in that I pray for. I didn't even lead him to the Lord. How's it going, mate? He goes, bro, I've got this tingling all over my body, bro. And I'm just like, now I'm Professor Mel. <laughs> yeah, man, that's just God healing you. I had no idea, man. I was like, oh, that's cool, bro. <laughs> hey fellas I'm off mate you fellas have a good night God bless you sir. see you later and then I walk out and go home and I'm freaking out I'm like four, down, four houses up for two years they've been dissing on me like you wouldn't imagine man and I'm sitting and I'm like man Lord man man and I go and see my wife and I say honey I'm just going to talk with God I'll be back in a minute because I'm serious about my relationship with God so I get on my face God and I'm crying I'm crying because he used me to do something when someone told me I was a failure and I won't amount to nothing and I won't do nothing. But God sees differently. And I cried. I said, God, why would you use me to do something like that? It's funny because God didn't say, because you're the man, because you're amazing. Oh. You know what he said to me? He said, son, the only reason I asked you to do it was because the other person I asked didn't want to do it. See, your journey needs you, but it's not for you. The next day they got evicted from the house. Gone. Never seen them again. My neighbor dealt drugs, fought his pit bulls out the backyard, break into our house, steal all our stuff. And one day I just had enough. I just That's it, man. I'm, I'm losing it. And this is how I lose it. So I opened up my door, big tell tattooed up. And I went, Oi! You! From my backyard, my doorstep. Oi! You! What? Jesus loves you? <laughs> Jesus died for you? But he honor me because I'm his son. You better watch what you do, boy, because God will get you. He won't kill you, but he'll get you. And then he gets his pit bull and he goes, get him, boy. And he let his pit bull jump the fence. I shut the door. Boom. Boom. Where's the baseball bat now, man? I just want to, you know. And me and Bernie had a, a ritual that every night we pray. Pray for our neighbors, pray for the people. You know, when people abuse you, you're meant to pray for them, right. not speak ill of them. Yeah? I, sorry. Christian, let me just say this to you. You are meant to apply the word of God. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But I don't want to apply this day. I'm just like, now nah, I just want <laughs> If he only knew what I was like before I got saved. <laughs> but I'm saved, so I can't behave like that. There's a word for someone. <laughs> so, anyway. We're praying and the Holy Spirit says, Son, you forgive him. And you pray I have mercy. I look at Bernie. Bernie looks at me and goes, Did you feel that? I went, yep. Yeah. Let's forgive him. <laughs> forgive me, Lord. For my attitude. For allowing circumstance to dictate how I feel. Because you can't control that. But you can control this. And when you abdicate responsibility for this you will blame. God, have mercy on him. Have mercy. Four o'clock in the morning. (coughs) Bernie! Bernie! Bernie's my wife. Bernie! At four o'clock in the morning. You know what men do at four o'clock in the morning? They let their wives answer the door. (laughs) So Bernie answers the door and she's like, what's up? She goes, he's been stabbed. He's dying. He's on the front doorstep, dying. He's bleeding out. And Bernie comes in, meow, meow! And I roll over and I say, Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, and I will repay. <laughs> and I went back to sleep. A month and a half, he gets out of hospital. Different man now. Can I come in? Yeah, sure. Come in. I'm making breakfast. He goes, I think your God had mercy on me. I said, Why is that? said, I got stabbed 28 times. And each cut missed my artery by millimeters. I should be dead now. What do I need to do? I said, you need to repent. Turn away from your sin. Give your life to Christ Jesus. He goes, okay. And in my kitchen, I led that man to the Lord. I led his wife to the Lord. They got married. Led heaps of drug dealers to the Lord because he was a bit of a dealer in our town. And led them all to the Lord. And over a two-year period, he was... He was, was like a Billy Graham. Like just people getting saved. The police looked at him and just said, You're a different man. And, and then one day I'm praying, Holy Ghost says, Son, tell him cut it out. Said, I'm not a pastor. I'm just a Christian who loves Jesus. See, because it needs you, but it's not for you. So I go next door and I say, Hey, bro, what are you up to? He goes, Nah, bro, just doing some lawns. I said, No, 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 what are you up to? He goes, What do you mean? I said, God just told me to tell you to cut it out. He goes, nah, but she's all right, cuz, that's all right. <clears throat> Two weeks go by, I'm praying again for him. I need to tell him to cut it out. Mm-hmm, okay. So I go the next day and I go and see him. Bro, what are you up to? No, nah, no, nah, just having a coffee. No, nah, no. Nah. what are you up to? God's telling me you've got to cut it out, man. So you can't play with sin. <clears throat> Sin's fun until it's not fun anymore. Because the wages of it is death. And no matter whether you're enjoying it at the moment or not. But let me tell you, the outcome is going to be disastrous for you, your family, and your children, and your children's children. Because the gravity of sin is he's not your friend. Amen, Mel. Amen. Sorry. Well, what he was doing was he was, um, after he had this massive encounter with God and leading all these people to Jesus, he started dealing drugs behind the scene. So he fronted like he was still a Christian. But he was actually doing bad deals behind the back. And what you do in secret, God will openly bring it out to the light. And you know he'll warn you beforehand. You'll feel the conviction beforehand. And if you're not listening to the conviction, he'll bring a man of God into your life or a woman of God into your life, your brother into your life to go, bro, you need to pull your finger out. Yeah. And if you're not hearing it because you're dull in your hearing, because you've become dull through the circumstance of your sin for actions, what happens is you'll miss your moment to become transformed into the image of the the living God. Cut a long story short, because that was really long. He's in jail now for murder. A bad drug deal went wrong. He shot the guy, killed the guy. He's in Rimutaka prison now. Um, He lost his marriage, lost his kids. Gone. See, it needs you, but it's not for you. And God will require things of you that you need to learn how to trust God in your seasons so that when he reveals to you publicly stuff, you know how to operate because in private, you've heard the voice of God. And what you do in private, God rewards you openly, yeah? So sometimes when you're in private, God will conceal things, reveal, walk into the room, you'll feel it, sense it, you'll become familiar with it, so that when you're in public, and you're down the shop, and there's not Jordan singing, they're worshiping Jesus around you, saying, "Holy is the Lord." You deserve it all. You know who God is because you're familiar with Him. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God comes on you, like, "Oh, what do you want, God?" Now your senses have been exercised to discern now, and you're like, "Okay, God, what do you want to do?" Maybe there's someone you want me to talk to. And then you talk to that person, and they have an encounter with God. Amen. Oh, running out of time. Sorry, Jesus see the disciples were with Jesus a long time and they still grew hard because they were listening to the outside voices yes, yes. who are you listening to who, what are you listening to what's influencing your inability or your ability to do what God's asking of you what are you doing I mean only you can ask that. it's rhetorical don't say oh well I'm doing that don't, don't tell me it's a question you need to ask yourself And you also have to ask yourself, what is it that God's told you to do? And then go and do it. Mm, Uh, Wow. He needs you, but it's not for you. When you lose focus of that, you get discouraged. Because sometimes your seasons are hard. Mm. And the reason it's hard is for two reasons. One, because your heart's real hard. And he needs to stick you in this moment to bring Softness to it, so you can gain insight to it, and the second thing is is because that part of your life is going to be the focal point of what God's about to release you into. Mm. Amen. What you able to do for this sessioning? Eh?